Let us pray. Heavenly Father, your Son casts such a vision, a vision that stretches us, stretch us well, and make us into saints. Amen. Well, today is a special day, All Saints Sunday. This is a principal feast which falls on November 1st, but it's movable. So we celebrate on the first Sunday of November. And we at St. Christopher's, we always go big on, Saint, on All Saints Sunday. We got the, the jazz ensemble, this amazing choir, and we unreservedly lift our hearts um, to this amazing God that we serve. Even more than normal, on All Saints Sunday, we're reminded of our active participation in this intercommunion of saints, the living and the dead, of the saints known and unknown, all of us alive in Christ and held together in one great movement of God. Imagine the scene. The communion of saints, the army of holy men and women embraced in God's presence, portrayed on the front and back of your bulletin cover. And although we can't actually see this heavenly multitude with our physical eyes, we can glimpse it with our eyes of faith and with a heart that trusts in their nearness. Each Sunday in worship, we join this great cloud of witnesses declaring in our liturgy the union that we currently share with God and with all his coming kingdom on earth, which is not only possible, but since that first Easter is unfolding already. And yet, as we live in a world that often feels like it's coming apart at the seams, our choice to gather as a community of faith Sunday after Sunday proves vital in grounding ourselves to Jesus's already accomplished work that will ultimately overcome evil and death. And absolutely, in this moment in history, with all the bad news that swirls around us, we could so easily fall into despair. And so, more than ever, we recognize the importance of gripping hands with one another and with our ancestors who've come before us. How sustaining us for this moment is important. Just connecting with those saints like our parents and grandparents, the Baggetts and the Bratchers, the Milners and the Majors, the Hopkins and the Wilhoits. You fill in the blanks for those names who showed you how to be Christian. They are still with us. And just like us, these saints, they lived the best they could, drawing on Christ's indwelling presence and doing their part in their day. And even now surrounding us, supporting us, cheering us on as we strive in our own era to live faithful lives to dip into our baptismal promises as we become what we already are, becoming, as our reading in Daniel names us, saints, the holy ones of the Most High. 
And when I think about the communion of saints, I kind of imagine this great arena and a relay race where we as a group, we've received the baton of faith. The stadium is full. We are enveloped by this great cloud of witnesses cheering us, loving us. We take the hand off. We run our lap, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, developing holy patterns, getting it right, getting it wrong. But with God's help, we press on. And then ultimately, we pass that baton forward to the next generation as we join that glorious company of saints in light. And so I find today's scripture readings instructive to us who are still running our lap of faith. Yes, Jesus is Lord and Savior. He is ultimately responsible for the inbreaking of God's kingdom on earth. But our leg of this race, it seems to matter. One of my favorite and recognizable saints is Hildegard of Bingen. About a thousand years ago, this mystic shed light on the way God chooses to work out his redemptive plan, saying, humanity alone is called to assist God. Humankind is called to co-create. It seems that in radical, self-giving love and generosity, God will be who God will be. He can't help himself but love. And God has decided to create, redeem, and restore his creation through love and chooses the likes of us, his saints, to help him out. And that gets us to today's gospel. Jesus' Sermon on the Plain, Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount, reveals to us saints God's secret weapon for recreating the world that's gotten off the tracks. Did you miss it when Ansley read? It's that crazy, upside-down, countercultural idea that love, even compassion for our enemies, is the most powerful force in the universe. And by God, it's the love ethic that Jesus came to teach us with his life. All Saints Day reminds us that we too must dare to live into these kingdom values, that we too must be brave, as Daniel says, cruciform living, to love radically, regardless of our circumstances, that there is a great and glorious homecoming that awaits us. Jesus' Sermon on the Plain desires to blow our mind and totally reorder how we respond to others. Here, Jesus is giving us the secret of becoming our best selves, and in the process, helping him redeem the world back to God. Jesus comforts us when he reveals that we're blessed, that our countenance should be happy and secure when we are poor, hungry, or hated driven out, abused, or abandoned. Heck, he says we should even dance for joy. Why? Because these conditions will not prevail. Rather, they serve to turn our gaze back to God, and they don't change our status as his beloved. So hang in there. 
And likewise, he challenges us by saying, alas for you, (laughs) when you're rich and full, when you laugh and people speak well of you, for these conditions are temporary and they should give us pause. These conditions often lead us to a false and shaky security that can change on a dime. But with better awareness, might we also recognize that these are the very conditions that many of us enjoy, which are gifted to us by God, so that we might help our neighbor in need. Obviously, Jesus operated on a different and higher, larger consciousness. But he invites us into it, summing up his teachings by saying this, If you have ears to hear, do this. Love, bless, give, forgive. Saying, here's the standard. We are to be gracious as God is gracious. We are to be compassionate as our Heavenly Father is compassionate. God's enfleshed one, Jesus came among us to show us a better way of living and being a way that would lead us into becoming more fully human, that glorious species that is seated with God's own image. Jesus presents an alternative way, a way that resists a selfish, small view of life, an alternative way where we can actively generate life and more life This ethic of active grace and generosity, of kindness and non-retribution, initially strikes us as counter-instinct, too hard to do. But when we practice it, we find that it resonates with our truest selves, even allowing those around us that we come in contact with to start doing the same thing. As the Saint Desmond Tutu is fond to exclaim, We were made for goodness. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we might be made for goodness, but choosing love in life's stressful circumstances requires discipline. And yet, this is our life's work. It's choosing to love even those who are hard to love. It's choosing to be patient, not irritable, with our family, even when we're stressed out. The way of love is our faith lap around the arena that's been passed down to us from the saints. A challenge, because most of us require transformation from the inside out. How do we do that? This is why we pray. This is why we come to church, to be encouraged and stretched in our faith walk. This is why, at the end of the day, we examine our missteps in light of God's unconditional love so that we might begin again. And for me, as a Christ follower who's seeking that transformation, thinking about the discipline of an athlete is helpful. So I imagine an Olympic diver. How many hours... Have they practiced that single dive? And part of giving it right is that they use their imagination. 
You know, as we've watched these Olympians on TV, we can almost see their minds run through the steps before they dive. They imagine three steps forward, feet planted, leap up and out, turn, tuck, straighten, and reach for the water. Because once they can visualize the dive in their minds, they can do it with their body. And the same principle works spiritually. Being kind versus reactive requires discipline. Being gracious or generous doesn't just come naturally, but we can use our holy imagination. In our prayer chair at home, we could build holy habits by imagining ourselves drawing upon God's grace rather than just reacting. It could go something like this. There you are. You're at home. You're in your prayer chair. And we recognize that this is going to be a stressful day. And so we imagine a scenario at either home or work where we've just been criticized. But this time, instead of reacting, we hold our tongue for a few seconds, turning to Christ, and then have the grace to offer a more thoughtful and honest reply. Like the diver, once we imagine holy habits, we could begin to live them. Yet all these incremental self-improvements in our faith walk might seem rather small after Jesus' sermon of radical love that raises the bar beyond what we're able to do. And maybe that's our takeaway. Every Christian across the ages has fallen short. But our Heavenly Father continues to love us without reciprocity. Just the way Jesus describes perfect love, that's how he loves us. How high and deep and wide is God's compassion and pardon for us. So glory be. We do our best to practice love as we become what we already are, saints of God. Amen.